You want to speak briefly this morning about temptation. So temptation is a huge thing that affects our lives on a daily basis, a minute basis. And I think everyone in this room, the team here in the building and those watching at home know exactly what temptation is. Of course you do. You understand what it is. Last week, we story, last week I walked into my kitchen at home and my two kids, Isabella and Micah, were sitting at the kitchen table and they'd poured out all the sweeties. Now, in my house, the kids don't get sweeties until the weekend. They don't get chocolate or sweets during the week, just at the weekend. And it wasn't the weekend. So I said to the kids, I said, what are you doing eating the sweeties? Isabella says, Daddy, we're not eating the sweeties. We're trying not to eat them. See, that's temptation. That's temptation. And we all know temptation leads to trouble. I read a story a while back. This guy was telling this story about how he was walking down the street with his wife. I've shot it before, I think, but it's relevant. He's walking down the street with his wife, and he notices this really hot-looking chick walking up, and she's wearing a wee miniskirt, and he couldn't help himself. But his eyes followed her as she walked past. And the wife didn't even look up from her phone, and she says, I really hope that that was worth the trouble that you're now in. That's the truth. And how many of us have shrugged things off? How many of us, oh, hang on, hold that thought. God bless you, darling. Thank you so much. Make a cup of tea later. How many of us have shrugged things off and said, the devil made me do it? The devil made me do it. Especially when we've done something that we know we shouldn't have done or said something we know we shouldn't have said. We use the excuse that, hey, the devil made me do it. But the problem with that is the devil can't make us do something that we don't want to do. He's clever, but he's not all powerful. Now, I know sometimes it looks like and feels like the devil's all powerful, but he's not. What he's good at, he's good at luring us into his traps. Because the first thing he does is he lays out the bait. He lays the bait down for us to, 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 to tempt us. And Satan knows people like, like Martin Durgan knows teeth. He knows, he knows people very well. He knows people pretty good. He knows our bad habits. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our shortcomings. And what he does is he puts them right in front of our noses. You see, that's temptation. That's the temptation. Then, then comes the appeal. He can't make us take the bait. He can't force us to take the bait, but he knows what happens deep down on the inside of us when we catch a glimpse of that thing, when we catch a glimpse of that area that we struggle in. He knows what's happening. Our fleshly nature gets drawn to it. We, we linger over it. We toy with it. We roll it over in our minds until that thing consumes our imagination. You see, that's the appeal. Then, of course, the struggle begins now. And right away, our conscience steps in and our conscience pricks us and he warns us about the danger. We know it's wrong to take a bite. Maybe we can even see the enemy's trap underneath that temptation thing, underneath that bait. But Satan's invitation looks so delicious. What do we do? Then comes the struggle. Then comes the struggle. 
And then what happens is the response. This is where the temptation comes to an end. The response. We either resist the temptation or we give in to the temptation. There's no, there's no gray area. It's black and white. We either give in to the temptation or we, 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 we resist that temptation. Now, anyone who's ever resisted a temptation knows the feeling of, of, of what's the word I'm looking for? Amazement and wonder. Knows, that, knows that, that feeling of freedom that comes whenever you resist a temptation. But then, on the other hand, we, we, we all know what it feels like to give in to temptation. When you have that feeling of emptiness and that feeling of, of pain and that, that trap on the inside of our minds. So this morning, I want us to look at Jesus. Just to see how Jesus was tempted and how Jesus was victorious over that temptation. See, in his story, we'll find three general kinds of temptation that the devil still uses against us today. Three. Now, just listen to this, this, this reading where Jesus' testing comes about. It's Matthew 4, 1-2. It says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. So Jesus' first temptation came right after he was baptized. Right after God the Father spoke and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. This was a huge spiritual high for the Lord Jesus. See, in most cases, testing will come often on the back of a spiritual high, on the back of a, a, a mountaintop experience. And then secondly, the temptation came when Jesus was tired, when he was starving. I mean, he hadn't eaten anything in 40 days. Temptation often comes when we're in a weakened state physically and emotionally, when we're exhausted, when we're emotionally run. Anybody ever been emotionally run down, emotionally tired? That's when you'll get attacks from the enemy. You're listening well. My wife didn't pull the valve off. She thinks it's open now. There was a survey done a long time ago. It said 81% of people said that temptation was more powerful when they were tired. 57% said that temptation came when they neglected spending time with God. 84% said that they were able to resist temptation by praying. 76% said that the best way for them to to not give in to temptation was to prevent themselves getting into compromising situations. 66% said that reading the Bible worked for them. 52% of people said that, 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 that being accountable to somebody else helped them defeat temptation. And thirdly, we see this temptation of Jesus came when he was by himself. See, we're most susceptible to temptation when we're alone. And church, it's absolutely necessary that we understand that these temptations of the Lord Jesus were very, very real. C.S. Lewis once said, no man knows how bad he is until he tries very, very hard to be good. That's the truth. And only those who try to, 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 to not give in to temptation actually know how strong it is. 
And Christ was a man who never gave in to temptation. He's also the man who you're the only man who fully understands what temptation really is and what it really means. The temptations of the Lord Jesus had to be so real in order for Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 to be true. Where it says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. But was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. So to sympathize with us, Christ had to have fully experienced the devil's temptations. Otherwise he wouldn't be able to sympathize with us. And one of the greatest temptations that we have in life as humans is, 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 is the temptation to try and do everything ourselves. Verse 3 says, And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. Now, don't be misled by the false uh, understanding of the devil's statement here where he says, If you are the Son of God. This is... It's not a supposition, it's, a, it's an affirmation. It literally means since you are or in view of the fact that you are the Son of God. I mean, when you think about it, the first temptation of Jesus wouldn't be a temptation at all if he wasn't in fact God's Son. The devil himself is well aware, guys, of, of God's existence. The devil doesn't need to use faith in order to believe in God. He's, he's been with God. He's seen God. And I don't think the enemy spends a lot of time trying to put people off believing in God. That's not the enemy's primary purpose. His purpose and his strategy is to make us believe that God can't be trusted. When Satan entered into the biblical picture in, in, in the Garden of Eden to Adam and Eve, he says to Adam and Eve, do you really believe that God is good? Do you really believe that God is good? He's told you not to eat of this tree because the day that you eat of this tree, you're going to be as wise as he is. He's not your friend. He's holding back on you. Genesis 3. Now that temptation sounds pretty innocent enough, doesn't it? It's the same kind of thing with Jesus here. You could almost sense the, 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 the innocence of the devil's presentation of this temptation. He says, just make the stones bread. What's the big deal? Just, 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 just make the stones bread. You're the son of God. You can do it. There's no law against turning stones into bread, is there? It's not going to hurt anybody. It's not going to hurt anything. I mean, Jesus hadn't eaten in almost six weeks. Almost six weeks. Could you imagine? Six weeks with no food. And because he was the son of God, he could have just invoked his, his supernatural powers. That temptation was very real to Jesus. Jesus could have did it in an instant and his hunger was crying out, do it, do it, please do it. Oh, oh to have some bread would be so awesome, just, just, just do it. Satan is suggesting to Jesus that there's got to be something wrong with his father's love for him since the father is letting Jesus go through something so horrible. Satan was tempting Jesus to obey the father's will by using his own divine power for his own purposes. See, temptation gets its power by persuading us to believe that we'll be happier if we follow it. That's why temptation is so powerful. The power of temptation is the prospect that it'll make us happier. And Jesus says this, fantastic. He says, it is written, 
man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You know, we often brag about being people of the word. But are we really? Are we really people of the word? See, the, questions, the question is not how much Bible do we know? See, a lot of people have a lot of head knowledge, but not a lot of heart knowledge. And the issue is not how much Bible we know, but how much of the Bible do we apply to our lives? That's what makes us Christian. See, Jesus, Jesus lived by the word. And the key phrase to all of his answers is, it is written. It is written. He didn't allow the situation, he didn't allow the circumstances or even the enemy to dictate this truth to him. And all of his answers came right out of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Yeah, I'll edit that bit this week. They all come out of Deuteronomy, the story of God's pilgrim people coming out of bondage. He's saying, I will not complain. He said, neither will I take matters into my own hands. I just trust my father and trust, and trust the words that come from his mouth. Now, turning stones into bread wouldn't be a temptation for us because, let's face it, impossible things don't tempt us. The devil's ploy in this world is to make us believe that if we want something, if we need something, then we're going to have to go after that thing ourselves and not look to God for it. That's what the world says. And we're often tempted to go outside of the confines of, 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 of God's will just to satisfy our own personal needs and our own personal desires. We often promote ourselves because we don't really think God is going to promote us. We scheme and we plan for our own well-being because we don't really believe that God is going to look after us. We don't really believe that God knows what we need. Another real temptation for us as human beings today, and this is good, is sometimes we're tempted to take the easy way. Who knows that? Sometimes we're tempted to take the easy way out. Listen to verse 5 and 7. Then the devil, taking him up to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment's time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give to you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. The devil wasn't lying. He wasn't lying when he said and he promised Jesus, all these things have been delivered to me, and I give to whomever I wish. In verse 6, the devil was offering Jesus, listen, the devil was offering Jesus a kingdom without the cross. Why, why, why go to all that trouble? Why go to all that pain to win the world when it could be handed to you on a silver platter? No suffering, no sacrifice, no struggling. But a crown without a sacrifice would mean there was no, no salvation, no forgiveness for sins for all of us. And Jesus answered in verse 8, and he says, get behind me, Satan. Oh, get behind me, Satan. For it is, worse, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only will you serve. And you know, we don't have to look too far to see the application of that in today's modern society. This world teaches us to avoid pain. 
this world teaches us, take the easy way out. Take the path of least resistance. Avoid sacrifice. The world, the world says, why give all your money to the church when you can keep it for yourself? The world says, why, why spend your whole life with one man or, 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 or one woman? Go out and get someone new. You only, just live it up. You only live once. And what's the result of that? We are living in a country with children whose lives are being destroyed because of their parents' selfishness. Another huge temptation in society which keeps people away from God is, I'm sure you've all heard the old term, I believe that when I see it. Never said that? I believe that when I see it. See, the devil, it says in verse 9, it says, the devil took Jesus to the point of the temple roof and, and overlooked the Kidron Valley. It was about a 450 foot drop. Now, whether you took him there physically or whether you took him there spiritually, we don't know. But once he was there, he made him a very appealing offer. He says this. Now, keep in mind that the devil had just heard Jesus defeat him twice using Scripture. So now the devil uses Scripture himself. He says in verse 9, Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. So Satan misquotes the promises of God. It was right for as far as he went, but he didn't read the whole quote. So for Jesus to have supernaturally survived the fall from the pinnacle of the temple and full view of all the people, that would have immediately identified him as the Messiah. But that would have insisted that God show, show me that you love me. Therefore, that would have been a test to God. This would be the equivalent of us saying to God, God, I won't believe in you until you show me something on my own terms. And Jesus answered, he says, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Always a comeback, hasn't he? Always an answer. See, Jesus understood that starting his ministry so dramatically by jumping from the pinnacle of the temple would be completely contrary to the word of God and to the will of God. To do that would be to test God and Jesus refused to take that shortcut. Now, there's many subtle ways that, that we can test God. Now, we might not go out and climb under the roof and jump off the church building, but we tempt God in other ways. We do it when we put worship of God and attendance at church as not being a priority. See, I think that is a priority. And yet we expect God to, to keep our children on the right path. That's putting God to the test. We do it when we, when we dive into your path of our own choosing and then cry out for God to bail us out. That's putting God to the test. We do it when we test the boundaries of known sin. God says, here's the line. This is the line. And then we see how close we can get to that line. That's putting God to the test. Then we're surprised when we fall and we blame God. But it happened because we tested God. Now the one common thing to all these three temptations is that they attempted to distract Jesus from his mission. And they attempted to destroy the relationship he had with his heavenly father. 
I don't want you to miss this, this truth that's hidden in verse 13. It says, Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. This verse says that when the devil had ended every temptation, when the temptation had ended, when every avenue of attack was employed, then it says that the devil departed from him. And the Greek puts it much more uh, uh, blunter, if that's a word. It says he stood off. The enemy stood off from him. The battle was over, but the enemy hadn't given up. Maggie Thatcher once said, you may have to fight a battle more than once to win it. This reveals to us that the devil is always going to be lurking around every corner, watching and waiting for the next vulnerable moment. You see, when you're weak, when you're tired, you've got to expect an assault. When you resist, you've got to be ready for a different approach. And when he leaves, listen, he'll be back. Martin Luther was once asked how he overcame the devil. He said, when the devil comes knocking at the door of my heart, my Lord Jesus goes to the door, he opens it and says, Martin Luther used to live here, <coughs> but he's moved out. Now I live here. See, when Christ fills our lives, there's no room for Satan. There's two lies that Satan wants us to believe. Number one, just once won't hurt. Do you hear it? Just once won't hurt. And number two, now that you've ruined, ruined your life, you're no longer any use to God, so you may as well carry on and enjoy and living a sinful life. Guys, listen to me. You've got to get into the Word of God. You've got to saturate yourself in the Word of God. Then when temptation rises up its ugly face, you're equipped to defeat it, to not not to give in to it. Because I think you all know as well as I do that giving in to temptation makes you feel rotten. But when you're victorious over it, it makes you feel awesome. We're going to worship one more time, then I'm going to come back and give the announcements. Let's worship.